morning. Hey, welcome to week two of Love Handles. Anybody with some love handles in the house, can I get an amen? amen? That's right. This is not a weight loss series, which explains why two rows over there are empty. I don't say who those people are and why they're not here. They misinterpreted what the series was. They're like, I'm not going if that's what it is. I can't be there because of this right here. I actually developed another um, uh, uh, graphic, um, but, and this is the, the truth. Um, I was really excited about it, but I learn every once in a while, men, do you ever do this? Like you're thinking about saying something or do something, and then you do this real check with your wife, like, hey, this is pretty funny, isn't it? And they're like, uh, no, that's not funny at all. That's, that's pretty gross. And uh, so I, I, made, I was going to show it, and Laura's like, uh, you are not showing that in church. So after the service, if you want to come find me, I'll show it to you. It's on my phone. Um, but I guess after last week, I've been shut down by the staff at all. I am totally locked out of anything that could uh, have to do with any kind of graphics at all. This series is really a vision series. Every year, we like to stop and just look at um, who we are as a church, why we exist, what's our purpose, and, and why are we here. Something we say every week is our vision statement. We say at the end of, end of every service, I'd like for you to say this with me if you know it, at the core of who we are is loving God and loving people. That's who we are. That's, that's why we exist. We exist to love God and love people. Now, that's not unique to our church. It's not like, hey, we own the market on loving God and loving people. That's the call of every church. If you go into a church, that's what they should be doing is loving God and loving people. But that sound, sounds great, and it's something we aspire to do, but how do we do that? Because Saying it and actually living it out can be two different things. It can be difficult to do that. And so for the next few weeks, we're trying to just put some handles on that love and know how do we take this love into the world. We're looking at the uh, prophet Elijah, talking about him each and every week. So if you have a Bible, go to 1 Kings chapter 19. 1 Kings 19. If you have a paper Bible, it's right in the, in the first part of your Bible there. Uh, 1 Kings, 2 Kings, go to 2 Kings and go back one and you'll be there right at 1 Kings. You're welcome. That's how helpful I am. If you do not have a Bible, they are available in the Next Steps room. They're free. You can take one. Just say, I don't have one, and we'll make sure you get one. If you have a mobile device, go to corechurch.com. You can download a Bible there. I'm preaching out of the New Living Translation. Now, there's a lot of different translations, but this is the one that Jesus used, so this is the one that I use. I'm kidding. That's a joke. Come on. Come on, people. Loosen up a little bit. Uh, yeah, New Living Translation. So if you're in a mobile device, if you want to read along with me, you're going to have to be there. So Elijah, he was a prophet in his day. Uh, the prophets were like the preachers of their day. And they would, God would give them a message, and then they would take that message to the people. And today we're looking at a story from 1 Kings chapter 19 and verse 19. 1919, okay? And we use a background on this. Elijah, is uh, God has told him, here's who you are to appoint as your predecessor. Here's who's going to follow you and be the next prophet over Israel. Now, this is going to get really confusing this morning, so I need you to write this down, okay? I need you to start by writing this down, okay? We're going to talk about Elijah and Elisha. It's going to be the most confusing message I've ever preached in my life because you're not going to know who I'm talking about, okay? So you write this down, Elijah with a J, E-L-I-J-A-H, okay? Just write prophet next to him, okay? Prophet, okay? Now, Elisha, E-L-I-S-H-A, 
He's the apprentice, so you can write apprentice next to his name. So you have that reference point. So if you get confused like I do in the middle of all this, you'll know who I'm talking about. So we pick it up in verse 19, and it says this. So Elijah went and found Elisha, son of Shaphat, plowing a field. There were 12 teams of oxen in the field, and Elisha was plowing with the 12th team. Elijah went over to him and threw his cloak across his shoulders, and then he walked away. Elisha left the oxen standing there. He ran after Elijah, and he said to him, Hey, first, first let me go and kiss my father and mother goodbye, and then I will go with you. Now, as you see this, by the way, you're like, I'm sorry, what's going on here? As he throws his cloak over him, basically what he's saying is, You have been chosen by God. You've been chosen to be the next prophet over Israel, and everyone around him would have known that. He was the one who had been picked, who had been chosen. So he knows what's happening here because of their culture and their teachings and who he was. Verse 21, it says, So Elisha returned to his oxen and slaughtered them. He used the wood from the plow to build a fire to roast their flesh, and he passed around the meat to the townspeople, and they all ate. And then he went with Elijah as his assistant. Let's pray. God, we ask you now to give us a divine visitation. We ask your Holy Spirit to just show up in these few minutes that we have together. I want to ask you, church, to just pray for um, the people around you. Again, you don't have to do that out loud, but something I like for us to do each week where we just kind of get our, our hearts ready to hear from God's Word. And So pray for the people that, that you may know them, you may not. Just say, God, man, just speak to them this morning. May they be in a position to listen. And pray for yourself. Pray that your own heart be free of distractions and we could hear from him and pray for me that I would um, be obedient to what the Holy Spirit wants to say today. Uh, if you're ready to hear from the Lord, in Jesus' name, give me a big amen. amen. Well, the year was uh, 1511, and Hernan Cortez was a Spanish explorer. And he had a 11 ships that he had set sail for what is now modern-day Mexico. And he was on this voyage to try to conquer that land. He had 11 ships, he had 600 men with him, and when they landed, he knew the task that he had in front of him. They, they faced insurmountable odds. Uh, the Aztecs had turned back every conqueror before him. 600 years people had tried to conquer this land, and no one had been successful, and everyone had been turned back. So here comes Hernan Cortez, and, and he's standing on the beach, and he's talking to his men, and he's telling them that, hey, we are going to go, we are going to conquer, and we are, we are going to win. We will not turn back. We will accept only victory. If no victory, then death. His men were rallied. They were excited. And then at the end of his speech, he gave this famous proclamation where he told them to burn the ships. And they set fire to 11 ships there just off of the beach. And the men stood there on the beach and watched these 11 ships, their only avenue for retreat to be gone, to be burned up, to be sunk to the bottom of the ocean. And Hernan Cortez, he said this after setting fire to the ships, if we're going home, we're going home in their ships. We, we are inspired by stories like that. Men and women who give all for a great cause. Men and women who say, I, I am all in. 
there is no plan B, I'm moving forward, and this is what's going to happen. As followers of Jesus, each and every week, if you read through the scriptures and, or you come on Sunday and you hear us talking about these, these men and women of the Bible, we're, we're inspired as followers of Jesus by these men and women of the Bible who gave everything up, who burned the ships in order to follow Christ. I mean, we, we think of the disciples and all that they gave up. They, were, they gave up their jobs. They gave up, many of them, their families. They were Jews, and, and as soon as they decided to follow Christ, their family said, we don't want to have anything to do with you anymore. And, and so they lost their jobs. They lost their way of living. They lost their families, and they said, no, we're moving forward. We're burning the ships. It's all for Jesus. Many of them even lost their life as martyrs for the faith. Paul and, and, and Peter and, and John, and, and even when we look at in the Old Testament at this, this prophet Elisha and Elijah, I, I, these men and these women who gave it all for the cause of Christ, we're inspired by stories like that. I, I really believe that inside every single one of us, if you call Jesus your Lord and your Savior, I think deep inside each of us, we want that to be said about us. I mean, we, we want to forsake all for the cause of Christ. And we, we want to do what the song said that we sang earlier, as we sang that, no turning back. I mean, I am, I am all in. I am burning the ships. I am done with my past life. I am done with that habit. I am done with that sin. I am done with those people. I am done with that. I'm forsaking all, and I'm just all in, Jesus, and I'm going to go 100% with you. That's, I think, the desire. I think that is inside every single one of us. One of our four core values, something we um, are going to be talking about over the next few weeks are our core values. And one of our core values is the core value of Christ. We exist to lift up Christ. Let's say that together. We exist to lift up Christ. Turn to just somebody around you and say, uh, we exist to lift up Christ. In other words, we are passionate about Jesus around here. We are all about being all in. We are all about forsaking everything else. We are all about burning the ships and following after him. Even in, in scripture, we see that Jesus calls us to burn the ships. He says these crazy statements like, okay, you want to follow me? Deny yourself. Take up your cross and then follow me. That's a burn the ships statement. That's, a, that's an all-in statement. Each week in this series, I want to give you a different love handle, something we can kind of take with us. And So here's today's love handle. We'll put it on the screen so you can write this down. This is what I want us to focus on for the next few minutes. I lift up Christ by laying down my life. I lift up Christ by laying down my life. Let's say, let's say that together. I lift up Christ... By laying down my life. One more time. By. Yeah, and I think we all desire to do that. I do. I think we all want to do that. But, oh man, there's just something that just that keeps us from setting fire to the ships. There's something inside of us that just kind of holds back. There's something that, what is it that makes me hesitate? What is it in my life that causes me to not be all in? What causes me in my life to not lift up Christ and lay down all my life? 
And, and how can we? How can we? Is it possible to take that radical step of faith, forsaking everything for the cause of Christ, for our Lord and our Savior? I just believe we all want to do that. So how do we get there? Let's talk about that for just a few minutes. Because this is in 1 Kings chapter 19 for Elisha. This is a burn the ships moment. This is his burn the ships moment. Where, where he's got to make a decision. 1 Kings 19, 19. Let's go back to that. So Elijah went and found Elisha, son of Shaphat, plowing a field. There were 12 teams of oxen in the field, and Elisha was plowing with the 12th team. And Elijah went over to him and threw his cloak across his shoulders, and then he, he walked away. Now, before we can lay down our lives for the cause of Christ, I think it's fair that we understand what we're called to lay down. I think sometimes that's the confusion. We don't know, well, what am I supposed to lay down? Like, I want to lay everything down for the cause of Christ. I just don't know what I'm supposed to lay down. Well, you look at, look at Eli- Elisha here. This is, this is crazy. Elisha, he, he's kind of in the middle of nowhere. And, and he's plowing this, this field. So he doesn't really have a glamorous job. He doesn't have a great job. He's in a field. He's not just in a field, but he's plowing in a field. And there's 12 teams of, 12 team of oxen. And he's not just plowing in the field with the 12 teams. He's on the 12th team. This, you think your job is bad. You get up in the morning, you thank Jesus for your job. God, thank you that I am not like Elisha. Because this is, I mean, he is behind like 24 oxen. Are you getting the picture here? He's, he's not in like a John Deere tractor. He's staring at butts all day long. And a whole lot of them. And he's stepping in stuff all day long. This, this guy just doesn't have it going on. He's got it pretty rough. And, and so here, here's Elijah. Elijah. And you think when, when, he's, when he's choosing his successor, I mean, I just would think this is not where you would go. <laughs> I would think that you might go to the city, you might go to the temple where people are studying, they're getting their Master of Divinity degree, you know, and they're, you know, they're, like maybe have everybody fill out a spiritual gift test, and, you know, Elijah's like, all right, uh, who has the spiritual gift of prophecy? Anyone? Anyone? Spiritual gift of prophecy? Prophecy? Okay, you two come forward. You think that's how he would do it. But he, he doesn't do it that way. He goes to a field that God tells him to go to. And I mean, I just see him walking up to this field and go, uh, hey, excuse me, I'm looking for um, Elisha. Are you Elisha? Like he's going to the manager of the field. Are you, you by chance are Elisha? He's like, no, no. Oh, tell me where I find Elisha. Yeah, he's, he's out there. He's out there. Yes, he's, he's out there. And he's not just out there. He's behind the, the 12th team. So here's Elijah. And you, you, this is how I would do it. I'd be like, oh, he's out there? I'd be like, hey, hey, buddy, why you come over here? I need to talk to you for a minute. No, I'm not coming out there. <laughs> you come over here. But Elijah doesn't do that. Eli- Elijah goes out into the field. And, and he steps in everything that Elisha is stepping in. And goes over to him and chooses the least likely candidate, the one who doesn't deserve it, the the one who is not worthy. And he throws his cloak over him and he steps back and says, I choose you. 
Before we can really understand what we are called to lay down, or what, what we're called down, we've got to know what it is that we are called to lay down. Before we can lay something down, we've got to know what it is we're called to lay down. You and I are like Elisha in this story. This is what Jesus did. This is what Jesus did for you. This is what he, he did for me. We were plowing in our mess. You and I, completely unworthy. None of us deserving of God's grace and mercy. Yet, he came to you, he came to me in the middle of my mess. And not, he didn't just call me over and call me out of that mess. He steps into human history, Jesus does, and he steps into the middle of our mess, in the middle of sin, takes it upon himself on the cross and throws his cloak of grace and mercy on you, steps back and says, I pick you. I pick you. I pick you. And I pick you. That's, that's who Jesus is. That's what he did for you and I. It, it doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter where you find yourself. It doesn't matter what you, you stepped in. It doesn't matter how far you have fallen. Jesus says, I pick you. Can I get an amen? If you have been chosen, if you are a follower of Jesus, could you say it like you love it? Give me an amen. He picked you. He picked me. In all of my mess, in all of everything I've ever done, I'm not worthy of that. In fact, if you're taking notes, please write this down. Listen, Jesus didn't come because I was worthy. He came to make me worthy. He didn't come because I was worthy. He came to make me worthy. So he comes to us in, in our mess and, and in, our, in our sin. And, and through the cross, he cloaks us in grace and mercy and says, I pick you. I'm pulling you out of that. I, I like the way the prophet Isaiah said it. Isaiah, who was a, a prophet who came after Elijah and Elisha, he said this in Isaiah 61.10. He said, I am what? Let's say this together. I am what? Overwhelmed with joy in the Lord my God. I am overwhelmed with joy in the Lord my God. Listen, when was the last time you said, I am overwhelmed with joy in the Lord my God for what he's done for me. When was the last time you stopped and said, whoa, thank you, Jesus? When was the last time you said, man, wow, wretched sinner like me, and you came for me? You are amazing. You are incredible. I can't even find the words to describe how I am feeling about what you've done for me. You picked me. I'm, I'm overwhelmed. I'm overwhelmed. You took my sin. You don't count it against me anymore. Do you know how many people count my sin against me? Do you know how deserving I am to have my sin counted against me, but you don't count it against me anymore? You put your cloak on me? Do you know who I am? Like, do you know what I did? Do you know how undeserving I am that you, you, you put it on somebody else? Don't, don't, put, it, don't put it on me because I don't deserve that. 
When was the last time you came to God with that kind of humility? And just saying, woe am I, a sinner chosen by the God of the universe. Humbled am I, overwhelmed am I, as you pick me. Isaiah, I am overwhelmed with joy in the Lord, for he has dressed me in the clothing of salvation, and he has draped me in what? A robe of righteousness. That's that cloak. He's, he's cloaked us in righteousness. Now, that righteousness is a big word. And if you don't know what the word righteousness means, just to break that down in its most simplistic form, it's just being made right with God. Okay, there's a lot more that goes into it than that, but in its simplest form, righteousness means I have been made right with God because of the cross, because of the cloak, because he covered me with his grace and mercy. Jesus made me worthy. I'm not worthy, but he made me worthy, and I have this cloak on me. Listen, when I, when I understand and grasp the significance of where I was and what he did I will lift up Christ by laying down my life. It won't even be a question. It's, it's, not, it's, it's, not, it's not even up for debate. I don't even have to think about it. When I really fully grasp and realize and understand the magnitude of what he did for me, I said, man, I'm going to lift up Christ. I'm going to lay down my life. He laid down his life for me. I'm going to lay down my life for him. But here's the thing we all have to understand. Here's what holds us back. Here's what keeps us from doing that because there's a cost. I mean, it's, it sounds great. It sounds like, yeah, all for Jesus. But let me warn you, if you're a follower of Jesus or even if you're not a follower of Jesus, before you ever make that decision, if you're not a follower of Jesus, let me just say this to you today, okay? And listen, let me warn you, before you ever make that decision to follow Jesus, there's a cost. There's a cost. Those of you that are followers of Jesus, you've made that commitment to follow him. Let me tell you, it's before you ever burn the ships. Take it from somebody who knows. Take it from somebody who's done this. Before you ever burn the ships, before you ever lay down your life, there is a cost. It's a heavy cost. And are you ready for that cost? Look at verse 20. Elisha left the oxen standing there, and he, he ran after Elijah, and he said to him, hey, first let me go and, and kiss my father and my mother goodbye, and and then I'll, then I'll go with you. This, this is, this is a, a count the cost moment for Elisha. Because he's knowing here in this moment, I, I got to leave everything. It's, it's moving day. I got I to leave. How many of you ever moved before? Anybody moved? You moved somewhere? Okay. Yeah. I mean, move, moving, moving is, is miserable, is it not? <laughs> it's, it's miserable. The only thing more miserable than moving is helping someone move, Right? That's just, don't you just love that? Like, I get calls every once from people in the church, you know, they're like, well, I know the pastor, he can't say no, because he ain't got anything to do during the week anyway, so I'll just call him, and, and I know he's got a, you know, he can't pull the Jesus card, and I'm like, yes, I can. I am not helping you move. I don't own a truck. I ain't going to be there, okay? No, listen, you don't like helping people move, they don't like helping you move, okay? Here's why. Let me, can I just, can I just step off for just a second, just for a moment, and, and just give you some true words of the Lord this morning? Okay, listen, if you're going to move, here's an idea. Get a moving truck. Have you ever shown up at somebody's house to help them move, and you're looking around, and you're like, where's the moving truck? Where's the moving truck? And they're like, oh yeah, we're just going to load everything in my tercel. What? 
Yeah, I think we can get it done in three or four trips. Oh, no, you did not just say that. And then you step into their house. Here's another idea. Get some boxes. Back it up. I mean, we are cussing in, I mean, you know, but in a, in a Christian sort of way, but we're doing it in a, oh, don't get all holy on me now, people. Come on. Because you walk in, they're like, well, we're just going to lift it up here, and we're just going to set it back down in there. Okay. It's, it's just, but it's miserable to move. How many of you ever had to move out of town? You moved to another city or another state. I, I've done that. That's, that's really hard. And, and the reason that's hard is because, you know, you, um, you do have to pack everything up, and you do have to get the truck, and, and you have to go through everything. You, know, you have to like, go through that closet that you've been avoiding going through that closet, and you have to go through that attic, and you've been avoiding going through that attic, and you get at and you, there's all these things, and you pull it out, and you want to throw it away, and you're like, hey, honey, can we get this away? That's my corsage from prom. I didn't even take you to prom. I know, but Billy was way better than you, and i got to hold on to that memento just to remember what life could have been like for me. <laughs> Whatever. Okay. So you go through all of this stuff. And then you load it up, and is it, is it not true that, I mean, you've got to say goodbye to people? That's hard. I mean, people that are your friends, people that, that you've grown close to, and you've you got to wave goodbye to them, and you're always like this, hey, hey, we're going to stay in touch. Do you stay in touch? No. For a little bit, maybe, but, but you go on with your life, and they go on with theirs. Listen, they, when, it, when Elisha and Elijah are, are talking here, what I want us to see is that following Christ is going to cost you. It, it, there's going to be a moving day for you, okay? You're, you're going to have to say goodbye to some people, and you know who they are. There's some people, we all, and we're going to talk about this next week, we are all called to reach out to people who are far from God, but I'm talking about people that are your inner circle. I'm talking about people that you're locking arms with, and you know I'm locking arms with the wrong people. You're single, I'm in, I'm, I'm in a healthy relationship. You got that friend, and you know this, they're just not good for me, and, and, and I'm making poor choices and decisions around them. And guess what? Guess what? The, the cost of following Christ is you're going to have to say goodbye to some people and let those relationships go and let them talk about you. Talk about you as like this holy roller Jesus person. They got, they got the Jesus in them now, and they're all religious and don't have time for me. That's what they're going to say about you. There's a cost to following Christ. You're going to have to go through some boxes that you ain't been wanting to go through. You're going to have to open up that one box that you put deep in the closet. You didn't want anybody to see. You didn't want anybody to know about that. And then you kind of ignored it and all that. And you're going to have to pull that out. And you're going to have to deal with that. That sin or that habit or that attitude or that self-righteousness or that pride or whatever it is that you're dealing with in your life. You've got to open up that box and you're going to have to make a decision. Am I going to hang on to that cute little corsage and hold on to a little memory or am I going to let that go? Am, 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 I going to, am I going to choose selfishness? Am I going to choose myself and my own ways and the way I want to do things? Listen, it's going to cost you time. It's going to cost you your time. It's going to cost you your energy. It's going to cost you your service. And you've got to make that decision. Am I willing to go through the moving day? Because there is a cost to following Christ. In the second part of verse 20, Elijah responded this way to Elisha. He said, go on back, but, but I want you to think about what I've done to you. I like this, Elijah, he throws his cloak on 
Elisha, and then he steps back and he, and he gives him the choice. He doesn't force him to follow him. He, he just says, I'm going to let you make the decision here. And honestly, we, we see in hindsight, but I, I think in that moment, you get, what we don't realize is we think, well, it's kind of a no-brainer, dude. You're like plowing behind the 12th team, okay? I mean, you're, you're staring at butts all day. You're stepping in stuff all day. This dude has just offered you one of the highest appointments in all of Israel. You can be a, a prophet. Man, why would you not take that gig? You know why? For the same reason that you won't take it, because there's a cost. For the same reason that you won't lay down your life. Because there's a cost. See, if you wanted to be a, a prophet, guess what that meant? You're going to have to leave your family. You're, you're going to have to leave your family. You're going to have to leave everything you've known. You're also going to have to deal with that people are probably not going to like you. Because when the prophet would show up in town, when he'd show up and everybody was there, they'd just go, oh, man, the prophet's here. Because they knew he was going to bring a word from God. And it was probably going to be a word that wasn't real real friendly to them. He was going to call them out of their sin, and they were going to have to repent. And they just saw him coming. They didn't like him. And many times they would kill the prophet. Elijah, all you got to do is look at his life. He was a hunted man. They were trying to kill him and take him out. This was not the glamorous life. I think the easier thing for him in that moment would have been, you know what, I'm just cool with my stuff. I'm just cool with this junk. I'm just cool with the 12, and I'm cool with the plows, and I'm cool with what I'm stepping in. I'm just going to deal with it because what you're asking me to do, that's too high of a, of a cost. I, I, I can't do that. But he doesn't. He doesn't make that choice. Because here's the thing about the mantle of prophet. It also comes with an anointing and it comes with power. When, when he would take on that mantle, that cloak that was placed upon him as, as the prophet, Elisha would go on to do unbelievable miracles, more miracles than Elijah. In fact, he had so much strength and power from the Lord the Spirit of the Lord was upon him so strongly. The only person in all of Scripture that ever did more miracles than Elisha was Jesus. That's it. Because there's an anointing and there's a power and there's a strength that comes from laying down your life. That's, that's the cloak that Christ is offering to you. That's the cloak he's offering, offering to me. He says, listen, I, I've given you this cloak of grace and mercy. I want you to receive that. My forgiveness, but I have so much more for you. Listen, if you're a follower of Jesus, that's not it. That's not all that that cloak represents. It also represents his spirit and the power and the strength that comes with that. Listen, some of you, some of you are you're plowing and you're toiling and you're struggling through your life and you're trying to make it on your own strength and it's not working. And what God says is, my spirit is available to you. Strength and power are available to you. Strength and power to overcome temptation. Strength and power to overcome those trials. Strength and power to overcome that sin, that addiction, that habit, that box that you have. I can rid you of that. I can take that away from you. I invite you into what I have. I want you to have my spirit. I want you to have all of me. That's what he's asking. That's what he's saying. That's what he wants to give us. Oh, man, but unlike Elisha, we hesitate to give him all, to lay down our lives for the cause of Christ. And I can tell you, I think one of the reasons we do that is because we like a, like a potluck Jesus. 
You remember potlucks? Anybody grow up with potlucks in church, potluck people? Okay, about a 20% of you, okay? Let me tell you what these potlucks were. They were amazing, okay? Spirit anointed. We need to bring back potlucks, okay? They were awesome. After church, what they would do is they had this thing called the fellowship hall. I don't even know what that means. I don't know what it was. It was this empty building that we only used to put food in. So after a service, everybody would bring food, and you bring a certain dish, and you would put it in the table, and you could smell it. Do you remember that? Like the preacher would be preaching. You'd be like, shut up, preacher man. I got to get to the kitchen. I mean, you'd just be so, you could smell that, and you just want to get the church service over. And so they would, you'd go out after the service, and there'd just be all these different dishes from all these different people. I remember years ago when Laura and I, a church we went to, there was this one lady. Her name was Nadine. Oh, she could flat bring it cooking. I mean, now here's the thing about Nadine. She, she was cantankerous. She was tough to deal with. Most people just had a hard time dealing with her, didn't like her that much. But we kept her in the church because that lady could cook, and it was anointed by the Holy Spirit, so she could stay. Like, we'd show up, people were like, hey, who's this lady? Why is she being like that? We're like, that's Nadine, and until you have tasted her brownies, back off. You'd step up and you'd be like, you'd always be like this, who cooked what? Who cooked what? I, oh, they cooked that. I am not trying that. Okay, I don't, it's called a casserole. It's like a hamburger surprise. Surprise, guess what's in it? I mean, it was just rough. That's how we are with Jesus. We want to potluck Jesus. So, you know what? Hey, I, I, I'll, take, um, I'll take some grace, man. I love me some grace. Whoa, hey, don't everybody hog the grace. I want some grace. Oh, yeah, give me some of that mercy. I want some of that mercy. Okay, pile that mercy on it. Wait, hey, 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 I got to get to the blessing table. <laughs> don't everybody be hogging them blessings. Come on, don't be shy with them blessings. Come on, give me some more of them blessings. Oh, I'm hold off on that obedience thing. I, I don't want any of that. No, I'm trying to, I'm trying to cut back on sacrifice. I, I, don't, I don't really need any, any sacrifice. But if we want to experience all that Christ has for us. We got to lay it all down and he calls us to receive all of him, to take all of him, the power and the strength through his Holy Spirit. Verse 21, so Elisha returned to his oxen and slaughtered them. He used the wood from the plow to build a fire to roast their flesh. Elisha turned his plow into an altar. Like, this is a plow being turned into an altar. This is a moment of incredible sacrifice. This is, this is an act of worship. This is Elisha's burn the ships moment. All for God. I'm going to leave everything behind. I'm forsaking everything. All, 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 all for him. This is what God calls you to. This is what he calls me to. He calls us to, to burn the ships, to, to turn our plow into an altar. The last part of that verse says this, then he went with Elijah as his assistant. Other translations say he went with Elijah and served him. Uh, another translation says he went with Elijah, Elijah and, and ministered to him. Man, so many times I, I want Jesus to, to assist me. I, I want Jesus to serve me. You know what I need Jesus to do? I need Jesus to, to minister to me. But the call to burn the ships is to flip that on its head. The call of Christ, the call to follow him, is to forsake all, is to burn the ships and say, you know what, I'm here to assist you. I'm here to serve you. I'm here to minister to you, whatever you ask, 
whatever you ask me to do, whatever you ask me to lay down, whatever you ask me to burn, I'm burning it. I'm getting rid of it. I'm stepping with you. I'm not going back. It's all for you. That's the call. That's the call that Christ puts for every single one of us. I lift up Christ by laying down my life. So what what is your plow? What do you got in that box that you need to get rid of? What do you need to lay down? What do you need to surrender? Would you bow your heads? This is a real count the cost moment, honestly. If you're here today and you're not a follower of Jesus, he invites you to lay down your plow. If you're a follower of Jesus, he invites you to lay down your plow. What is your plow? Are you ready to fully surrender to the Holy Spirit? None of me, all of you. If that's a cry of your heart, I want you to get out your seats. I want you to come up here right now. That's what I want you to do. This is a, this is a, a count the cost moment. I believe I've got to lay some things down. God's talking to me about a plow. And I need to go and I need to lay that down. And I want you to get out of your seat. I want you to come up here. And I want you to take a moment. I want you just to stand and, and just lay that plow down. What is it that God's calling you to do? Can you, could you release that pride that's holding you gripped to that seat right now? Could you answer that call that he has for you? What's your plow? What is it? You say, that's the one for me. I got to let that one go. If you're a follower of Jesus, you say, man, I just, I want to forsake all. I want to say to God, I'm all yours. I'm all in. I'm, I'm, I am burning the plows all for you. If you're not a follower of Jesus, I invite you to come and receive his grace and his mercy. Father, for those who are standing before you right now, just receive them, God. Put your cloak upon them. Let them know whatever it is they're laying down, whether it's sin, whether it's shame, whether it's pride, whether it's a habit, whatever it might be, God, whatever it is they're laying down, would you take that from them right now as a sacrifice, as an altar, as an act of worship? Would you fill them full of your Holy Spirit? As they rid themselves of that, God, would you just empower them, overwhelm them, God, with your Holy Spirit to say, you have all of me. God, may they say back to you, God, you have all of me. Thank you for giving me all of you, but you have all of me. For those, God, today that are, are coming to the foot of the cross for the very first time, they're saying, I'm a sinner. I've never made that commitment to follow Jesus. Or maybe you've been away from God for a real long time. You say, I need to come back to him. God, would you welcome them with that cloak of righteousness? Would you say, I, my son died so that you don't have to live in that mess. And I take it from you. And I put the cloak of righteousness on you. Receive my grace and my mercy and my forgiveness. Father, we thank you for that. We give you praise for that in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. We give these people a big hand. God bless you guys. Thank you so much. God is doing in your lives. It's amazing.